Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Tactics down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. They have reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs. This is For Future Considerations, episode 37. The second one of the week, the one we like to call the OT. And the whole gang's here. I'm Manny with Matt and John. Matt, how you doing? Hi, Manny. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Good, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm still recovering from that uh, Jets overtime game earlier in the week. Yeah, like it's taken you four days to catch (laughs) up on sleep, right? (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe you stayed up for that. What time What time did that end? Uh, I think it was about 2.20 in the morning when that goal went in. Jeez. That's normally when you go to bed, though. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a Saturday night into a Sunday. You go to bed at 2.20, wake up the next afternoon at 2.20, right? Yeah, that's right. Hibernate like a bear until about 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's no word of a lie. It's what he did when we lived in Owen Sound together. Oh, for sure. Last time I was up there visiting, he didn't get out of bed until t- about 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I left at 11. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He would stay up till 4 in the morning. Yep. And then I wouldn't see him till four in the afternoon. Cutting tape of the Canucks. (laughs) Sending it to the team. This is what's wrong with you guys. (laughs) Well, he loved the PBR, right? So he would stop it all the time. See? See? Uh I knew that guy was out of position. Look at the breakdown. The F3 came in too tight. (laughs) Lyndon, you didn't do your job. (laughs) Oh, man. Do you miss the Canucks not being in the playoffs, John? Uh, yeah, I do actually. It's kind of uh, kind of sad, but um, I've adopted the Jets just because my wife is from Winnipeg. So uh, we didn't realize that it, we didn't realize it was the Canucks' fault that Jim Houston's not calling games either. Yeah, yeah, we uh, kind of got talking about that, uh, just messaging each other. We kind of went, "Where's Where's Jim Houston?" And uh, I forgot about that. That earlier in the year he'd been doing games from home, and then he didn't want to travel for the playoffs. So I guess he's just not doing games. Well, okay. Fair good, enough. Good for him. Yeah. It is a pandemic after all, yeah. so it's too bad. Although it's it's really weird seeing packed houses in these arenas. Like yeah, yeah. Vegas was Could still give the you the night. heebie-jeebies. Uh, I don't know if it's heebie-jeebies. It just looks weird to me, right? It just looks really weird. I, I, I'm I'm past the heebie-jeebie point now. I'm watching him like, look at this guy. He's wearing a mask at the game. <laughs> What's this guy doing? He's yelling, cheering on his team. Saw one guy from the the Golden Knights when they scored uh, uh, a couple nights ago, and he's uh, jumping up and down in his seat. He's screaming. You can tell his face is turning red. He's got a mask on. Like, don't, <laughs> this is worse than the fans that are in the, the row 22 uh, in the upper bowl at Joe Louis Arena yelling out, shoot. Shoot! Shoot! On the power play. They can't hear you, bud. Especially not through a mask. Yeah. <laughs> the other oh. thing that I think is funny, too, I don't know if you guys noticed the disclaimers on commercials, too. The OLG one that's on during the hockey games over and over again says, filmed back when it was okay to watch hockey in a diner. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, man. So glad you're tuning in with us on our second show of the week, The OT, and we've got a great surprise for you coming up later.
Yes, absolutely. Uh, in case you've missed previous episodes, log on, join us. You can find this podcast wherever you would find great podcasts. Go back and listen to some of the guests that we had. We just had Dale Mitchell on last week. It was outstanding talking about the Windsor Spitfires, OHL Championships, Memorial Cups, and, and all of the great moments that he was able to experience. Uh, Jared Maidens as well from the 2011 Owen Sound Attack, the OHL champion there. Andrew Parrott, who's got his own hockey tournament that the Canada couldn't figure out. He He's got his operating uh, in the U.S. right now, and it Days looks like away. it's going, going yeah. really well as far as the setup and, and all of that. He keeps announcing sponsors, and it sounds like it's uh, it's really going to be something big. Uh, Jeff Krasakis, Luke Boca, Dave Gross, Brock Otten, many more as well. Uh, so we've got uh, a plenty for you there if you're looking for uh, a new twist on podcasts. And if you missed our debate show earlier this week, go back and have a listen and let us know what you think about our opinions and make sure you share yours as well. And if you have any um, suggestions for upcoming shows or you want to comment on our previous shows or hot takes, you can always send us an email at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, a lot of people reached out on social media. They were really happy that the Winnipeg Jets eliminated the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, like overly happy. We like, got, uh, I think we got our first Twitter fight amongst <laughs> fans too. I, I forget their, their usernames. I wrote it down somewhere, but uh, we had a great Instagram fight. Goodness. Keep it clean. boys. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great Instagram fight uh-huh. on the Felino interference, yep. no interference on flurry. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, and the, the Corey Perry hit on Tavares. Yes. You guys are maniacs. Right. (laughs) People that follow this damn show. You can follow us on social media. That's right. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook uh, at For Future Considerations. If you want to find out something that happened in the world of sports, uh, For Future Considerations is where you're going to find it. We post the videos of the dunks before the NBA does. So if you really (laughs) want to, if you really want to know what's happening in the NBA playoffs seconds before the league does, this is where you want to find it. <laughs> Do you guys see the news about Wayne Gretzky signing with TNT as a hockey analyst for their broadcasts? He's getting $3 million a season. Uh, we talked about it recently on episode 32, and we weren't necessarily excited about it. Have you guys changed your mind at all on that? Not really. I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to be the analyst that gives you a ton of hot takes mm-hmm. or really... Um, really off opinions or whatever uh, that would make people sit up and notice. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be the straight-laced vanilla guy. And I think TNT is trying to recreate a hockey show similar to their NBA show with Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just don't know who's going to be the guy opposite Wayne Gretzky. I, I, uh, $3 million a year is expensive for some stories. And, and I think that's what Wayne Gretzky brings. Um, the only thing I would uh, find amusing uh, out of this deal is like if he, for whatever reason, became that guy. Oh, really? <laughs> he, he shows up on the panel and all of a sudden he's like, you know who sucks? The San Jose Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Chris, what, what are you doing? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think he's. I think he'll, he'll tell some great stories, you know, of the old time. But uh, it's going to be tough. It's not a draw for me if that, if that's anything. I'm not going to watch a TNT broadcast because Gretzky. Yeah, I think they need to hire the, the Barkley and the Shack to round out whatever panel that's going to be. And uh, rounding out this panel, we have a special guest on this edition of the OT. That is right. This guy is a veteran <laughs> broadcaster, both news and sports. 
He has been a talk show host, a newscaster, a radio reporter, a television reporter. He's done play-by-play. He's done color commentary. He is a writer. He is a freelancer. He is a story editor. He has worked at all three major sports networks in this country, first at The Score, then at Sportsnet, now at TSN, where he still works today. And if that isn't enough... He is the voice of the Mississauga Steelheads at the Hershey Center. He does descriptive video for live sports events. And he shapes the minds of young adults <laughs> as an instructor at the College of Sports Media. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, the man, the myth, the legend, Tony Ambrosio. Wow, that sounds like I'm at my own wake. Like, you know, like, wow. <laughs> you'll be remembered as a man. That- <laughs> yeah. Well, but you forgot you forgot the Olympics I've been to. Not oh, the. No, I was going to I was going to wait to bring that up. <laughs> oh, okay, yes, sorry. You, I wasn't the- going. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What an arrogant prick, eh? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no word of a lie. No word of a lie. When I typed in your name in Google, the first thing that came up was the life and times of Tony Ambrosio. And- <laughs> Off my website. That's what it is. <laughs> How you been, Tito? I'm great, pal. How are you? I'm good. Great to see you. Yeah, Thank you for doing yeah, this. You know what? No complaints, guys. I mean, my goodness, we're all in a COVID times. We all have COVID hair. We all have COVID belly. Um, but I've been really lucky to work from home. Really lucky to teach from home. I'm really lucky to go to the station once in a while. So I can't complain. Really good. Well, we appreciate you taking time out to, to talk to us. And we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, obviously, we want to talk some sports with you, too. But let's talk about you for a bit, because I don't have enough information about you or your career just yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty boring, Manny. You don't want to turn off your listeners, I tell you. But I got to know you. We first met at CFOS and Owen Sound. And when did you start there? I started there in 1987. Out of wow. school, out of Fanshawe College, broadcast journalism school. Out of boy, out of boy. So I was so, a cocky twenty-one-year-old know-it-all, and now I'm a fifty-five-year-old know-nothing-all. <laughs> so, yeah, lots happened in the, some thirty-plus years for sure. What, how long were you in Owen Sound, and what do you remember from your time there at CFOS, the great CFOS? <laughs> so I was there from eighty-seven to ninety-nine. I remember that Owen Sound got an OHL team in the Platers. About a few years into my um, work there, certainly w- working with a guy like Fred Wallace, who's the voice of the attack. What a legend. What a great guy. One of my best friends. Um, that's certainly what I remember. And I was really lucky. I got to do a sports show called Sports Ticker. So I'm a 21, 22, 23-year-old cocky, arrogant kid. And I got to talk to Dave Keon, Ron Ellis, Jean Beliveau, Danny Gallivan, Red Story, Brian McFarlane, you know, NHL players. Um one sound platers players at that time so really really lucky and uh certainly no complaints whatsoever that's for sure sports ticker i remember that who is your favorite guest you know I, honestly it's gonna be john beliveau and i'm not a huge habs fan but i remember i got john beliveau and you know it's funny when you're young you're not you're fearless right and there was no email at that time so i'm making calls and I, I got John Beliveau. He was spectacular. And I remember one caller called in, and the two started to speak Francais. And, and I remember thinking, oh, this is kind of going off the rails. But Beliveau brought it back. He spent 50 minutes of his time, which he didn't have to do with a, with a cocky young jerk like me. 
He was tremendous, well-spoken, great storytelling, and uh, that, that's something that I will never forget, that I had the great Jean Beliveau on my air for 50 minutes talking to me and listeners. And what about Red Story? How was that appearance? <laughs> that was fantastic, but Red's a bit long-winded. You think I'm long-winded? Red's long-winded, so I think as much as I really enjoy and Red was pl- plugging a book, so I maybe got three questions in the 30 minutes. <laughs> Because Red was telling story after story after story about being a ref, being involved here, doing this, doing that. It was great. Very entertaining. Um, but yeah, that's what I remember about Red Story. Not a lot of questions, and he carried the show. Why would Tom from Tiverton always call in? <laughs> well, you know, I remember the early years. It's funny. It, it, like, there was an internet back then, all right? So you got to remember that. Right. And we had a, a, a visually impaired lady called Evelyn, who was a just a big listener would call in all the time and it was just interesting to hear her talk because you sometimes forget that she couldn't see um and then we had my your friend earl (laughs) all the time as well so and then one of my good friends from pittsburgh is tom mcmillan and tom used to be the communications guy for the penguins so tom would come on and he was also a writer at the newspaper and we had this young this young boy from chelsea or chesley sorry who was a farmer who would call from the farm and you could hear the cows in the background (laughs) and tom absolutely loved it because he asked great questions like really thought out smart questions about the lineup and and things like that and he became a regular guest tom did and so did the young the young lad from chesley would call from the farmer all the time it was great when you get those calls and you can hear the cows in the background, you had to think to yourself, man, I'm really going to make it one day, aren't I? <laughs> well, my first thought was, yeah, this is Owen Sound. This is Gravely. Um, and I'm thinking, boy, this, this wouldn't be going on in Toronto talk show right <laughs> yeah, um, you're sitting but, there uh, hearing yeah. the cows thinking one day i'm gonna cover the olympics <laughs> exactly never never thought that uh, that's for sure but i do remember how tom from pittsburgh was so happy and really had a great time i thought maybe it's not that bad let the young man call from the farm it was great it was it was natural it was real it was raw and uh, yeah we, we had some great times that's for sure and then um how did you end up at uh, queen's park uh from owen soundwood how did you make that move into I yeah guess, great question john so sports. i was doing news at cfos and owen sound we had another fm station at the time and um you know i was there 10 11 12 years fred wasn't going anywhere it wasn't exactly a happy place to be at the time you know it's just it's just life and i'm in my early 30s and i'm thinking geez if i don't move now I might live here the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with living in Owenstown the rest of your life, but I wanted to try something different. Bill Murdoch was the MPP. I interviewed Bill often as the news reporter. I got to know Bill. Bill had an opening in his office. He asked me if I wanted to go, and I said, yeah. And it was funny. I remember telling Fred, Fred Wallace from CFOS, I said, if I don't do this, I will always wonder if I could have done more in my quote-unquote broadcasting career. So I'm really glad I did it. Had a great time in Owen Sound. Hated leaving uh, Fred and, and Manny and Dave Carr, the legends there. But it was something that I had to do. And I'm really, really glad I did because I have had so much good fortune come my way since. And I've met so many unbelievable people across the world. Want to talk about that. But you say legendary. You're going away from Owen Sound might have been legendary. 
uh, your ah, going yeah, away well, party. <laughs> it was funny. I know that uh, in my going away party, the city of Owensdown had to uh, enact new noise bylaws because it got a bit loud. Uh, but we, we had a good time. I was on the air with Fred. The, it was my birthday the other day. So Fred, for whatever reason, put me on the air to tell the world I'm 60, but I'm only 55. But that's fine, Fred. And I, and I mentioned, and Fred mentioned, I don't remember much about your time, but I do remember your going away party. And I, I kind of screamed a bit kind of called fred a few times <laughs> it wasn't let's just say it wasn't the most professional thing i've ever done let's oh, just put come it on it was a great time i loved it <laughs> <laughs> quick story fred disappears normally when we go out yeah. like he just sort yeah. of disappears well he's had enough he leaves he just he leaves it doesn't tell yeah. anybody right exactly. doesn't tell yeah. anybody but no. he left this going away party for tony and Tony had enough and walked in front of his building and stood out in the middle of whatever street it was and oh, shouted his name. <laughs> and it was called. pretty early, too. I think it was 1 a.m., maybe 2 a.m. It was 1 yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure the neighbors wanted to sue me if they could have found me. It, it wasn't pretty, that's for sure. And, yeah. as, as Fred, and as Fred tells it, he's like, whoa, those guys are yelling. <laughs> I wish they would just leave the bar. Wait, they're yelling my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Oh, my goodness. So you go to Queens Park. You decide, I'm going to get out of Owen Sound, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave the journalism industry, but not for long, because you go into the score. You, wor- you start work at the score. And I think you covered every single sport imaginable with some pretty talented people there who do you remember from that experience and how would you describe that experience well my gosh young energetic and we weren't afraid to take chances so elliot friedman james sabalski sarah oleski um uh gee patricia bull my dear friend patricia bull just so many talented people behind and in front of the camera and here's the funny thing about about the, the score Manny, that you'll appreciate. I was at Queens Park for a year and thought, you know what? I want to get back and do some part-time broadcasting. So I, I went to the score. This was is a different era, so you could just walk right in. And the guy that was in charge of the score had a cottage at Sobble Beach. And he knew. He says, I know your name. Well, I used to work up in Owen Sound. Oh, yeah, you did a sports show in Owen Sound, didn't you? Because of that connection... He was very comfortable with me. I was comfortable with him. And then we just got got on. And he's one of my best friends still today. And um, love the score. Love the energy. And you know what, Manny? Today, 2021, people still talk to me about the score. It has been on the air really for, what, a decade now? And people still talk to me about the score. It's What an amazing place that was kind of ahead of its time. Yeah, the th- I think the three yeah. of us still talk about it, oh, John, absolutely. John, Matt, and I. So it is yeah. true that anyone who is good in sports media w- was working at the score back then. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I, I will say that the people that hired the talent had a real good eye for talent. Let me just put it that way. Minus me, they had a real good eye for talent. That's nah, for sure. nah, nah. You were good. Tim and Sid... I forgot about Tim and Sid. Like, how stupid am I? I forgot about Tim and Sid, of course. And Jackie Redman, yes. Jackie Redman, yeah. And Renee Young. Now, she got there just as I was leaving. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. And then from there, you went to Sportsnet. That would have been in 2009. So how long were you at Sportsnet? And then uh, what do you remember of your time there? So I was freelancing at Sportsnet for about three or four years and really loved it because I got to do a lot of travel. 
Got to do a lot of Leafs coverage. Though the Leafs were terrible at that time. Got to do some Blue Jays coverage. The Jays weren't exactly great, but they had some had some interesting cats. Let's just say that. Um, loved loved talking to John Gibbons. You know, for the general the manager of the Blue Jays. Enjoyed dealing with uh, Randy Carlyle for his bit there with Toronto. It's funny. I was thinking of Randy Carlyle today, guys, because. In 2013, he was the coach, of course, the Leafs. We know what happened in 2013 against Boston. But before that playoff series, Randy, the Leafs hadn't been in the playoffs since 04. And Randy Carlisle has a media scrum, and it's just, it's just dissipating. So there's only a couple of us left. And I just, and I forget the question I asked him. I asked him about the playoffs and how different the game is. And he said, Tony, the playoffs are a man's game. And I have never forgotten that because it's so true. Playoff hockey is so different from the regular season at any level. OHL, Junior B, NHL, AHL, Beer League, whatever. Playoffs are a different beast, a different animal. And I really believe for a team to have success in the postseason, you got to have a mixture of everything, but you got to get kicked once in a while. You got to go through some heartache. You know, Alex Ovechkin won a Stanley Cup. A lot of heartache there before he won. You know, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin won a couple of Stanley Cups after they won their first one a few years in. But between their first one in 08 to 17 or 16, there was a lot of heartache there. A lot of questioning what was going on in Pittsburgh. Same thing for this Maple Leafs team. A lot of questions. So I think you gotta, you got you to gotta get kicked in the nuts, if I can say that, to really understand and appreciate how difficult it is to win the Stanley Cup. And I think we're seeing that at Edmonton with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I was just going to yeah. say, so you're saying there's a chance for Connor McDavid, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I what a series, right? Four games, three go to overtime, you lose every overtime game, and the one game you had a 4-1 lead, you still lose in overtime. So it's just like sometimes the hockey gods, Manny, and, and guys aren't just aren't on your side, you know? And whether that's right or wrong... It's just how it is, and, and I really think you got to get kicked, and you got to get, you got to go through some pain to have success in the playoffs. Um, you had the opportunity, as we mentioned, to work at the Olympics. Um, you went to. Thank you, uh, John. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> 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 <I'm just kidding. laughs> So 2010 in Vancouver, and then the 2010 Youth Summer Games in Singapore. So, and then Austria, and then you went to London. Um, yeah. So the Olympics have taken you around the world. Uh, what different jobs did you do at the various Olympics? So yes, yeah, so I was also in 2014 at Sochi. So so I've done. I've oh gee, we missed that one. Yeah. Plus I worked uh, this year in Korea, but not in Korea. I worked in the U.S. So try not to bore you. I've done a bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> when you're at the Olympics, working, so I worked for the World Feed. So so imagine this. So let's say Manny is in charge of a New Zealand TV station. And that TV station has the rights to the Winter Olympics. Love New Zealand. New Zealand's not going to send a crowd of 30 or 40 reporters to Vancouver to cover it. It's just not financially feasible. So we, as the World Feed, provide play-by-play, provide stories, provide highlights for all the Olympic broadcast holders across the world. So in Vancouver, I got to do a bit of everything, including, man, you'll love this, play-by-play for curling. (laughs) <laughs> I know that squad about curling, but my friend, so when you work on the World Speed, you work with people from all around the world. One of the people I worked with, her name is Heloise. She's from New Zealand. So I'm doing the, I'm, I mentioned New Zealand because that's, she comes to mind. I'm doing the curling play-by-play. I forget who was playing. It might have been Sweden and Russia. 
I'm doing the play-by-play for this curling match, and Heloise tells me, Tony, they're, they're using you right now in New Zealand. I go, <laughs> I'm a big star in New Zealand. That was the running joke. That was the running joke. So, so in Vancouver, I got to tell you, Vancouver was the best Olympic experience of my life and probably the best four-week work experience of my life. I met so many people from around the world that were working on the world feed from England, Sweden, by the way, never think you can outdrink a Swede. Really? Oh. Never. They've got livers the size of Dave Carr. You'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't try to outdrink a Swede. Um, but I, England, Sweden, we had some, uh, some people from China, Scotland, all these people. You come together for a four-week work venture, 14, 15-hour days, and you got to quickly work together. you got to mm. quickly bond. you got to quickly become a work family. And that's what I really loved about my Olympic experiences. So I've done that. In 2014, I went to Sochi, worked for Yahoo. So that was more Canadian-based. And I got to interview all the Canadian athletes. So Dara Howell, when she won her gold. Gilmore Junio, the speed skater who kind of stepped aside so another speed skater could go and win a medal. I loved Sochi. Sochi was great. I was actually lucky to be at the final for the men's and women's hockey games in Sochi, right at the arena. Uh, that women's final was nuts. How Canada came back to win. Um, it was just, it, it was a, an awesome experience. And uh, yeah, I, I, I tell everybody, I've been lucky, lucky, lucky to go to four Olympics, to work for Olympics, two youth Olympic games. And was supposed to work in Tokyo for NBC doing descriptive video at the studios in the U.S. I'm not convinced those games are going to go on, but money's at stake. So we'll see. Uh, so you could be going back. You could I, be going I, back. I hope to. I hope to. And then we have Beijing in 2022. Hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And for some of these countries that, that uh, you know, maybe uh, want to tell us particular story, uh, one, depending on the results or maybe despite the results, they, they're going to have you like uh, competing in some of these things or. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no you know what are you, you going to be the speed skater in one of these <laughs> for, for Ireland no. or something like that? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you say that, Matt, because every story we did was more was more serious, was more. A new story, you know, like I'll give you an example. Kasperi Kapanen was at the Youth Olympics for Finland in 2010. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. 2010 in Austria. No, sorry. 2012. Yeah. My bad. 2012 Youth Olympics. Kasperi Kapanen, NHL player. I remember I'm doing a story on Kasperi Kapanen because his dad, Sammy, a famous Finnish player, a famous NHLer. And who knew a few years later he'd be a Toronto Maple Leaf. So we do more serious stories, Matt. Nothing of the funny, of the funny type. I don't think I would have fit into those speed skating types anyway. But <laughs> probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Where were you for then the 2010 gold medal game? I was in the uh, I was in the, I was in the newsroom with a bunch of Canadians and some Americans and some people from all around the world. And uh, Crosby scores, and I got up right away, and the Canadian contingent went nuts. But it's funny because a few moments earlier, of course, the U.S. tied it. And the American people got nuts. So, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was fun, but a little, a little tense-filled, that's for yeah. sure. It's kind of like John Rashad's experience in Chicago. That we won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, so got, we, got a good, we got a good story for you, Tony. So we go Let's to Chicago it. for my, my bachelor party. Uh, it is game, which one would have been seven? Was it six or seven? I think it was seven. Uh, Blackhawks conference finals that they beat um, the LA Kings, Kings. to go to the, the Stanley Cup finals. 
And right. so this was 2014, 2014, around that. Sure. Uh, either way. So we're in the bar. John Rashad hates the Chicago Blackhawks more than anything in the world for whatever reason. Okay. Okay. So, because I'm a Vancouver Canucks yeah, fan okay. and they had that bitter rivalry. So, I go back into the pain. There you go. Okay. We're, we're in this <laughs> packed to the brim bar and the seconds are just ticking down. Mike Richards on the face off with about eight seconds left scores to tie the game and that place went as quiet as I've ever been in a full building except for one person who turns <laughs> around cool. <laughs> away from the crowd and just goes, Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Johnny got out of there alive. Yeah, well, Chicago won. So, yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. In, in yeah. the end, Chicago won. So they were okay. Now, can, can I just tell you that I, I've been to a Chicago Vancouver playoff game in Chicago? And? The, oh, wow. No, I, uh, the anthem. The anthem alone is worth going. Wow. Wow. You know, especially when the anthem singer points and the flag was still there and he pointed the flag and the whole crowd goes nuts. Yeah, yeah. That was the game where Luongo was supposed to start, but didn't Schneider started? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. so I was there for Sportsnet helping out. Rashad's, yeah, anyway. Rashad's going into a corner right now. He's <laughs> well, rocking back Fetal position. Fetal position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so another, I remember that goalie controversy, one of many. <laughs> crazy, eh? <laughs> Tony Ambrosio is our guest here on For Future Considerations. Great to have him on as we talk about his career in sports. And after covering the Olympics, you move on to TSN where you still are today. And yeah. uh, um, what's the job that you do there? And I think it's changed over the years, hasn't it? I've been of everything. I've done some of the radio and TSN radio. I've written for some of the website. Uh, I've done some radio reporting for 1050, but mostly I'm doing, working in the newsroom, producing pieces, uh, writing pieces, stings, bumpers, features, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty good spot. Um, a lot of work, a lot of shows that we're involved in. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been great. And how is it working? And how's it working during a pandemic from home in a, for a sports station? Yeah. So we are able to do a remote start from home. So I get the elements that I need from my home computer via a work computer. And I would say it's about as effective, about 85 to 90% as effective as being there. Um, the only thing that's not effective is if you're doing a game. So if you're doing a game, you have to clip the game. So that way it's easy to find the highlights and find goals. But we can't, we don't have the clipping capability from home. So uh, that's, that's a bit of a downer. But otherwise, it's very, it's very, very good. And I've been very happy and lucky that we've been able to do it. Otherwise, I'd be an unemployed person. And like so many Canadians, really having a hard time trying to make ends meet. So you've worked with some amazing people over your yeah. career. Oh, yeah. I know you've mentioned a few, but who stands out for you? Well, Fred Wallace, for sure, because I was young and, and Fred had a bit more experience. I learned a lot from Fred, got to do play-by-play -play with Fred. Plus, he's such a prick. You know what I mean? So it kind of makes it easy. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a lot of fun. We have a lot of It's funny. I was saying the other day that when Fred and I talk periodically, I don't think we talk as much as we laugh. Because we're regaling each other with old funny stories, especially from Owen Sound or voicemails that we've received or whatever. So there's a lot of laughter when we talk. Um, Elliot Friedman, too, was a huge influence for me. Um, just amazingly smart, talented, hard worker. Um, you see him now with Hockey Night in Canada and, and, and the scoops and this podcast. Just really, and every, every, anytime I had a question for Elliot, he would always give me that answer. 
Um, he was great. Funny thing about him is I have never heard anyone say anything other than incredible things about Elliot Friedman. Yeah. He's probably the one person in broadcasting I've never heard anyone say anything other than great things. I'll, I'll tell you how smart he is, and it's I kind of wish I was this smart when I was younger. So when he was starting out, he would email agents and just to say, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Just just to get a connection. Such a smart networking guy. Really smart with the connections. And he worked 24-7. I mean, just just nonstop that cat. Um, yeah, Elliot's great, and he's really helpful, too. It's funny. When I lost my job at the score, Elliot was one of the first people to reach out. Um, and I thought, boy, you got more important things to do. He says, well, I may not always be there. I'm sure I've ignored a bunch of your text messages over the years, but I want to be there here for, uh, for what was a tough day. So, um, yeah, uh, great respect for Elliot. Dave Gross, again, I know who you had on the podcast, one of my best friends. Unbelievable writer and broadcaster, I think. Um, great storyteller as well. Really had some great laughs going to Pittsburgh on that fateful trip where we ran into a racist tow truck driver. But we, we survived that day. We survived that day. Um, yeah, so uh, th- those are guys that I think of. And, and Tim and Sid as well. Should have mentioned them earlier. Patricia Bowles, one of my favorites. Sarah Lesky's always a laugh. So, God, man, I've been so lucky, man. So, Manny Pava, yeah, you know, right. a young yeah. Manny Pava, yeah. Dave Carr, the late Dave McCleary. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's funny. I tell the students this all the time, guys. It's not so much what you do. It's who you work with that you remember. Yes, you remember. You know, if Manny was nice enough, who would have mentioned this off the top, the Olympics I've covered. You see, remember that. <laughs> it's always about the people you work with. That's what stands out for me. It's the people. It really is. Um, yeah, really lucky. Here, here. And I think we all agree. And, you know, you know, I, I hit up Fred, your your boy, to try to get some stories. But he gave, he gave me like 12. And, <laughs> and none of them I think I can use in the podcast. And, and the funny part is, I probably don't remember half of them because Fred's memory is out of this world. It is. He's got a tremendous memory. Like, oh, yeah. you're dominating a six-year-old at a trivia contest. Okay, so you remember this one. <laughs> We were on a cruise working for CFOS, or Fred was the representative, and there was a sports trivia thing. And we had a little, you know, have you ever been on a carnival cruise? They've got those little dinky $2 plastic cruise ship trophies that they give out if you win. Like, I, I guess I got pretty competitive. <laughs> I, destroyed, I destroyed the six-year-old in the trivia who wasn't six. who was more like nine or ten. So give me a break. <laughs> when you're ten, you can defend yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I can defend myself. That's, that's what I remember. What oh, about man, the... Uh, and your debut for the CFOS No Stars at the Terra Fair. <laughs> so I mentioned off the top, I was a bit cocky and young and arrogant. And it was a charity softball game, but I took it pretty seriously. So I was barking at people. You got to make that catch. Come on, I'm thinking this is a serious thing. So it took me a while to realize, okay, Ambrosio, tone down the act a bit here. Tone down the act. But yeah. Fred, Fred never lets me forget that one for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm dying. 
Stop it. Tony Ambrosio, our guest here on For Future Considerations. What about the people that you've interviewed? Uh, the Ooh. good or, or bad? Um, what, uh, <laughs> Preferably the bad. <laughs> um, what, uh, what are some of the, uh, the memories that you've got uh, holding the mic? Well, okay, so I, I remember, obviously, I mentioned Beliveau and, and, and Danny Gallivan were two of my faves. I got to interview uh, Wayne Gretzky a few times, and that was always great. So I'm at a charity golf tournament where Wayne Gretzky is, and no other media is there. And I'm thinking, I might get an exclusive, or I just might not get anything. Wayne Gretzky sees my cameraman and me and comes approaching us to do the interview. I thought, this is unbelievable. One of the greatest, most famous athletes in the world coming to me to do an interview. So that was, that's one thing I remember. One of my funniest interviews <laughs> at CFOS doing the sports talk show. So with that show, I would get famous and not so famous people. I would really try to make it local. So one night I got someone from the local ringette association just to promote ringette. My goodness, Matt, she was so nervous, <laughs> so nervous that I asked a question and she would shake her head. No or yes. Um, miss, this is radio. I need you to speak. <laughs> yeah. no, I feel like it, was, it was a painful five minutes that I had to stretch for 15 and I don't know how I did it. But, oh, my gosh, it was painful. I also remember interviewing. So we, we take the show on the road sometimes. And I remember interviewing Ed Wernick from the local curling club in Port Elgin. It was super spiel in Port Elgin. Right. Well, Ed would come on live on the show when he was a bit intoxicated. <laughs> and there wasn't, wasn't one, wasn't two, but there were three times where he used foul language. And, of course, <laughs> you know, the seven-second delay isn't great from Port Elgin, so that was uh, one of those things that I remember. Because he was playing to the crowd, right? He was playing to the crowd at the, at the curling club and not to the listeners. But I do remember that. And as far as TV, I mean, Sidney Crosby. Um, I remember interviewing at the NHL draft in Ottawa, Stephen Stamkos and Alex Petrangelo at the same time. And that was always fun because they, I knew Alex from his days with Mississauga in the OHL. And Stephen, of course, had interviewed before when they came to play Sarnia and Mississauga. So they both were comfortable with me. We had a lot of fun. But probably my favorite TV interview, Jim Kelly and Dan Marino. Whoa. I was a huge Dan Marino fan as a kid. So how much time do I have? Because I'm talking oh, a lot. You, you got You're lost. Good, Can't believe the Steelers didn't take him, right? Still bitter to this day, actually. There's a hole in my parents' basement when they didn't take him. But that's drafted Dave Rivera, a defensive lineman who played six games before he was tragically paralyzed in a drinking and driving accident. But I don't, I don't want to go there. Too painful. Anyway, so the first time I interviewed Marino is at a golf tournament in Niagara Falls. He was golfing all day, then playing poker. He was tired. I go up to him. Says, Mr. Marino, it's Tony from the score. We have an interview to do. And before I could finish my sentence, he says, another bleeping interview? So he was in a foul mood. So this is my idol. My idol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not want a thing to do with me. So I was kind of like upset, but kind of laughing at the same time. So we do the interview. And as soon as he's done, I said, wait, 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 Mr. Marino, you're supposed to do a tribute to Damon Allen. So we had worked a deal with the Argos where he was going to give a little tribute to Damon Allen on the big screen because Damon Allen had just passed North American passing record. Okay? Got so, it. so I tell Dan we're doing this. He rolls his eyes. Okay, <laughs> he puts the mic on. And then he says, hey, Damon, congratulations on your great record in Canada. 
kind of rolled his eyes when he started off. He ripped the mic off. He couldn't get out of there fast enough. So that was my first encounter with Dan Marino. So we're in Niagara Falls. I'm driving with my cameraman back to Burlington, or I guess to Toronto at that time, and I'm laughing the whole way. I could not stop laughing at Dan Marino and how his biggest fan he dissed. So a few years later, of course, Buffalo is playing in the Toronto Rogers Center series, and they set up an interview for Marino and Jim Kelly because the Bills are playing the Dolphins. And I get to interview them, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. You know what? Dan Marino was awesome. Jim really? Kelly was awesome. I sat between them. Huh. Like, I'm five foot six on a good day. And these guys are <laughs> six foot four, 300 pounds beside me. They were tremendous. I did a bunch of research. You know how what Kelly's record was versus Marino and that kind of stuff. And I think they were impressed that I did all that research. Uh, but that was, that was an amazingly cool time. I felt, honestly, I felt like I was like in grade nine again. You know, it was just unbelievable. And how I just—it's just what what a great time, great time. Did you did you tell Marino about the first experience, or did you leave that be? (laughs) It's funny, Matt. I thought about it, but I didn't. I said, you know what? He's in a good mood. I don't want to ruin it. You know, I understand why. I understand why he gave me a hard time. He had golfed all day, played in a charity poker all day, done a bunch of interviews. Then he sees me. He's thinking, oh my god, how many more interviews do I have to do? So anyway, good times. (laughs) That's great. Uh, so you talked about the Olympics and how that was a great sporting event to cover. Did you cover the World Baseball Classic too? Is that Jeez, right? I did one year when Canada played the U.S. That's right. That's like so fifty thousand at Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. I, I I think nothing can top the Olympics. But is there one sporting event that you covered that you went, "Wow, this is fantastic"? Boy, I honestly I don't. You know, Stanley Cup playoffs were always great, but never got to a Stanley Cup final. The Memorial Cup in um, in London was unbelievable because I'm a London guy, and that was pretty cool for me to cover. Uh, the Memorial Cup in Mississauga was great because I knew Fred and Owen Sound. You obviously the memories you have that of that eleven team. Um, so, but I, honestly, nothing can top the Olympics because you know what I realized when you're at the Olympics how small you are and how big the world is. Like to me, I love hockey. You realize when you're at Olympic Games, especially the summer games, they call it ice hockey. They think field hockey first, not hockey. You know, so you realize how big the world is and how small your corner of the world is. And you mentioned uh, Memorial Cup. Um, what is it about junior hockey, do you think, that gets into people's blood so much? The people who cover it and people who watch it. Why is that such a, a personal thing for people who... Yeah, great question. You know what, John? I think it's it's pride. It's, it's community pride. Um, I know for years... Lond- I'm from London. And for years, London was brutal. <laughs> they had a three-win team many, many, many years ago with Rico Fata. Yep. This was a badly run. It's hard to imagine that now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a badly run junior hockey town. And I remember when the Hunters came over and started to do their thing and bring some success. And I remember the 05 Memorial Cup, how much of a pride thing that was for London. And even though I'm not a Knights fan, I felt proud that London held this event with Sidney Crosby during the NHL work stoppage that was the center of the hockey world pulled it off well, the better team in London won, and just the vibe in that city, the parade the next day, the excitement around the entire city, the pride. I think, And I go back to Owen Sound. Owen Sound, before 2011, had some good teams that could never get over that hump. You know, I talked earlier about you got to get beaten up a couple of times. Well, they got beaten up, mostly by London and Windsor, if I'm not mistaken. 
even Erie, in Guelph, of course, Guelph. So anyway, so when Owen Sound won in 2011, the OHL title, I knew how big that was for that community. Uh, even though I was in Mississauga at the time, had mixed feelings, I was happy for people like Fred and Ray McKelvey and Manny and all those diehard fans in Owen Sound who waited so long to celebrate an OHL title because everybody would criticize Owen Sound, too small, not enough people, rink is too dinky, not enough fans in the rink, too quiet the fans. And that all turned in 2011, right? That all turned. That was a loud place, tough place to play. Ask Mississauga, tough place to play. So I think the part of the reason why junior hockey is so much into our blood, it's because it is a community pride thing. And I have been saying for years to the people of Mississauga, you may have a great arena, you may have great sponsors, you may have all these people you can sell tickets to, but it doesn't mean much to the community when you go from ice dogs to majors to steelheads in a 10-year span. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no connection to the community. That yeah. connection is so important, right? Yeah, and when they were the Ice Dogs for the first couple of years, this was before I was working for them, they were get good. They were terrible teams, but they got good crowds because it was the community of Mississauga, our hockey team. And then when you change the ownership a few times, you change the team name, it didn't help. Plus, you've got Leafs, Blue Jays, TFC, Raptors, so much going on here. Let's talk some sports a bit. Uh, how, how important is it for the OHL to actually get a season started in the fall? Oh, my goodness. They have no choice, Manny. I mean, for two years, we have not had a champion announced or won in the Ontario Hockey League. Are you kidding me? Like, this isn't... I feel like we're in wartime. Like, usually in wartime, you cancel championships. But this has happened two straight... And I understand why. But two years, no winner, you've got to get. Because if you don't, if I have a young 15 or 16-year-old hockey player, I'm going to the States because they're playing hockey. right? If you want to keep the top grade A players in Ontario, in Ontario, you got to return. And I, I, I hope we can return in October. I'm not convinced we can. I'm kind of pessimistic on that. But I think it is, to answer your question, Manny, vitally important that they return. It- yeah, we all agree, but we understand you go to the John Rashad School of Pessimism, so uh, <laughs> all of us go there, too. What about the NHL playoffs? Uh, what have you watched so far? Uh, what are you expecting uh, as far as uh, when we when we get down to the uh, division winners and, and Stanley Cup finals? Yeah, I feel bad for Connor McDavid. Um, I was reading today that not one penalty was called against him. And right there, you start to think, come on, Seriously? Like, he's been hooked and held. you got to figure there should have been a penalty there. So I hate seeing the Stars not in the playoffs. So number one, that's disappointing. I really like how Colorado's played. I think Vegas has played well. I know Minnesota won game the other game the other night. Um, I really like Tampa and Florida. That's a heck of a series. And I mm-hmm. think whoever wins that, I might be wrong, but we'll have a slight edge on Carolina and or Nashville. Um, I got to give Boston credit. I keep thinking that their run is over. I keep thinking the window is over and they just continue to win. You know, give them a lot of credit. Um, I think Boston's going to the final four. I think Tampa Bay is going to the final four. Carol, uh, Colorado's going there. And I'm not sure, but I'm going to go Winnipeg from the, the Canadian division. I think Winnipeg, those three lines are as good as any top three lines in the league. They've got a Vesna Trophy winning goalie. And I can't pick Montreal or Toronto because I don't want to make Manny mad. So I'm going to go Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you think of Toronto as a sports city, right? You got the Raptors winning in 2019. Yeah. That was unbelievable, too. TFC's won soccer titles. The Blue Jays made the playoffs last year. Their arrow is pointing up, and now you got the Leafs playing great hockey. Now, is is Toronto becoming one of the best sports cities in North America, or what are we talking about? That's interesting. I never thought of it that way, Manny. Um, it's, it's funny. You know why I haven't thought of it? Because they're not in Toronto, except for the Leafs, right? <laughs> right. The Blue Jays haven't played here since, what, 2019. The Raptors haven't been here since March of 2020. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I would say it's, it's, it's a pretty good sports community with teams on the rise, certainly better than when I covered them for the score. <laughs> I covered some brutal, brutal, brutal Maple Leafs teams. Um, Nicholas Hagman was your best player. Tyler Bozak, PA Parento. I mean, come on, stop, just stop. <laughs> so with all due respect to those guys, but yeah. Um, I would say the air was pointing up. And you know what? It's funny. Here's what I like about this year's Blue Jays. In 2015-2016, you knew it was the end of an era. You knew that Bautista, Donaldson, Tulowitzki, they were on the, Edwin, were on the down slope of their career. These Blue Jays, Guerrero's 22, Bichette's in his early 20s, um, Biggio, Manoa, Pearson, Teoscar Hernandez, they've got some guys that should be around for the next five to seven years. And I'm not saying they're going to win a World Series in that time frame, but they should definitely be contending for a playoff spot every year for the next five to seven years. Are you listening to that, John Rashad? <laughs> are you a Blue Jays fan, John, or are you a Blue Jays doubter? Yeah, I'm a doubter. I'm a doubter of any team I follow. Oh, I uh, grew up as a Vancouver Canucks fan. So. The answer is yes to both, yeah. Yeah, you sound like a true sports fan. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, again, the Blue Jays, they may not even make a playoff appearance the next five or seven years, but I think they're going to be in the hunt every year. And I'm going to be really intrigued to see if this year the trade deadline, if Atkins and Shapiro get a starter or two, and if they do, how much they give up. Their farm system is still quite loaded. You know, most of their better young players are pitchers, but they've got Austin Martin, Groshans, who are pretty good middle infielders. What kind of moves do they make this year to increase and to support the starting staff this year to make a run? Because I think calling up Alex Manoa tells me they think they've got a good team for this year. If they didn't think they could make noise this year, Manoa would not be coming up and they'd be going with a two-man starting rotation and Joe, Jimmy, and Peter from the bullpen. Fair take. That's a good take. Hot take. Hot take, baby. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's put you on the spot. Who's who's winning the cup? Who's okay. winning the who's winning the NBA title? Who are your champs? Okay, the NBA is really tough because there's something wrong with the Lakers. I think the Lakers are the best team, but the injuries have hurt them. And there's something wrong with the Clippers. Something doesn't look right there. It's easy for me to say Brooklyn, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the cop-out. That's the easy one. Let's go off the board, shock the world, and say Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Now, I was a big Moses Malone fan when I was younger, so I, I'm going to... I'm going to go with my my <laughs> my 76ers. <laughs> uh, there's something about the Sixers that I don't trust, yeah. but I hear and listen, the Nets should the Nets have the best team. They have the best three stars, which is apparently what you need nowadays. And I think if you're the NBA, you'd love to see Lakers Nets in the final. But there's just something with the Lakers that seems off to me this year. And as much as it's easy to pick the Nets, I don't know. There's something not right with those guys either. So I'm going I'm going Philly right off the board. 
And your cup? Who's winning the cup? Oh, boy. I really, part of me, listen, I want the Leafs to win the cup, but I, I, I can't take the Leafs because that's, that's a fanboy speaking. I think, I don't know about you, but I think a Tampa-Colorado final would be really fun to watch. I think. So because I love watching great hockey, I'm going to say Tampa-Colorado in the final. Whether or not that's possible, I don't know. And I'm going to say, you know what? Al Heppel's a good friend of mine. He's the director of amateur scouting for the Avs. So I'm going to pick Colorado. Okay. So I've got Colorado. Mm -hmm. You do? Okay, nice. John Rashad's got Tampa Bay. Fair. Matt's got Carolina. You know what, Matt? It's funny. So one of the guys at work who has a bit of a gambling issue... <laughs> a, lot money, a lot of money in Carolina. You work with Matt? I didn't know we worked together, Tony. It's, uh, I'll see you at the office. There you go. So, so I said to him, why did you pick Carolina? He says they got four lines, they can all score, and their defense is deep. I don't trust their goaltending, but I would agree with the other two. Here's the thing about Carolina that worries me, though, and you tell me what you think. Do they play physically enough? Are they in your face? Are they big enough to go deep to handle that when the ice gets shrunk? And there's less time and space. Yes. No, I don't think. Um, no, I, okay. I, I don't think so. And and just from the beginning of this this playoffs, obviously it's a small picture of uh, of where we are. Um, you right. know, I, the Shmechnikov's been awful. Dougie Hamilton, I've I've never got him. You've never um, liked Dougie Hamilton, eh? No, I, I, I never got it. They they've got. Um, yeah, they, they they got some depth. They're not overly tough. Uh, Nadelkovich has been very good, and and I think this was um, my my guess with Carolina came from when you look at the teams that are in the NHL playoffs right now. How many goalies uh, can you really really trust? Like Rask, Vasilevsky, uh, Flurry, Flurry. Yeah, outside of that, you know. I mean, Grubauer's won, obviously, and and he's played very well. Um, so I, you know, I, nothing about them blows me away. I really, I, I got into them early in the playoffs with the crowd and and how great it was to see that place full and loud. I haven't been impressed with them yet, but um, no, it, I, that's uh, that's my pick. I'm sticking with it. I, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I just like I say, I just wonder if they have enough size and physicality. And no, but if you so far, if we'll you uh, if you watch any of their broadcasts, I'll tell you Jordan Stahl might have been the greatest player that's uh, that's ever played hockey, <laughs> and the second greatest. It's uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to move on so we can stop with the local broadcast. Is really what I'm cheering for. <laughs> you know what I got to tell you? I'm a big fan of the Stahl family. One of the stories I did when I was at the score way back in the day was they I, they flew me up to Thunder Bay, and this was when you know Mark, Eric, Jordan. I think it was. Uh, Whose draft was it? It would have been Jordan's draft was coming up, I think. Anyway, whatever. And I, I and Frank Stahl, the father, oh, salt of the earth, took me into his home, fed me like I was part of the family, <laughs> gave, me, gave me a tour, gave me a tour of a Thunder Bear that I didn't really require, but I appreciated it. Um, just the hospitality was second to none. And it's funny. So Keith, not Keith Whitmore, sorry, Kay Whitmore, who's a former goalie, I think still works in the NHL office. At the time, Kay was with the Peets when Eric Stahl got there. And Kay tells me the story that Frank and Linda, Frank and Linda Stahl, brought Eric to Peterborough, said, here's our son. Take care of him. You won't hear any complaints from us the rest of the way. Have a good day. 
And I thought, how many hockey parents of the guy drafted top three are like that? Yeah. Not many. So that was always one of my favorite stories of Frank and Linda Stahl. Great people. And uh, yeah, the Stahl family, great players too, right? Great players over the Mm. years. So Look at the longevity of their careers too, right? Yeah. Eric Stahl still playing. Mm -hmm. Eric won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, Did Jordan win a cup? He did, didn't he? With Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? He did, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. that first one. Before the, yeah. Uh, Mark hasn't, but he's had a very good career. So yeah, you can't go wrong. And I remember, because at that time, too, you might remember, guys, the youngest stall. Um, I forget his name. Is it Jaden? Jared. Jared Stahl. Jared, yeah. was the one that the alleged expert said was the best of the group. <laughs> and I remember Frank saying, nah, don't buy that. That's not true. Somebody's feeding me. <laughs> and this is Frank. Old Papa Frank being bloody honest about his youngest son. So, and he was right. So... Wow, <laughs> he knew hockey. Tony, really, we really appreciate this. Want to end this because uh, there's going to be some young people, some young journalists who will be listening to you here as an instructor who is grooming the minds <laughs> of young adults. <laughs> what Stop should it. young people know about succeeding in journalism and sports journalism, for that matter? Uh, work your tail off. Don't take no for an answer because you're going to hear no a lot. If you love it, do it. Um, So brand yourself with Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Get your name out there. Show what you can do. There's a young kid who I don't teach. His name is Lucas Weiss. Um, He is everywhere, that kid. Everywhere. And he's now writing some stuff for the star. So you just never know. So number one, don't take no for an answer. Believe in yourself. Never be afraid to ask questions because there are no dumb questions and work like a dog. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people, whether it's a Manny Pava or a Matt or a John or even an Elliot Friedman, because the worst they can say is, no, I don't want to talk to you. If you are looking for advice and guidance, do not be afraid to do stuff like that. Great advice. Great advice, Tony. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. I really do. My pleasure, guys. That was fun. I hope I didn't yell too much. I got a bit excited there a few times. Oh, man. What a great time with Tony Ambrosio. Thanks to Tony again for joining us on the show. He was fantastic. Great guy. (laughs) Great guy. Some awesome stories. I didn't get to ask him about his uh, best Manny Pava story. I was waiting. Next I was waiting for you to chime in with I, that. I know he had he had too many good ones, and then he he ends all <laughs> serious about uh, journalism and uh, go believe in your dreams and like you know go, go off of that. Of so, uh, tell us your favorite drunk Manny Pava story. <laughs> what What are you talking about? There aren't any of those. Oh, stories. No, no, no. <laughs> I got one already from today. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did have some good advice there for the youngsters. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, great advice there. But he's a great storyteller, too. Glad he's doing well. And if you have any uh, show ideas, send us an email and share your opinions at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, and social media as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at For Future Considerations. We've got video of goals before they even actually happen. <laughs> you were to turn on the TV and see a 0-0 score. You go on For Future Considerations. It's one nothing. Bam, goal goes in. So I, I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know. Oh, so follow us. Email us. 
Enjoy listening to the show this weekend. A great weekend. Again, a big hello to Andrew Parrott and his group. Yeah, good luck, boys. The Flow Hockey Invitational starts in just a few days, May 31st. I hope it really goes well. Uh, Enjoy the weather, folks, and stay tuned for the next edition of For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.